You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the funeral edition for the 2018 New York Giants, otherwise known as the Friday Locked On Giants podcast with Ed Valentine, that's me, and co-host Pat Trena. Patty, how you doing today after a after a late disappointing night, you know, watching the watching the Giants lose another game? You know, I have to share a funny story before we get into the podcast. Last night, as you know, Ed, I wore all black. And it just so happened to be a coincidence. Black happens to be one of my favorite colors to wear. So I passed by one of our colleagues and he said to me, what, you're celebrating, what are you, mourning the, the loss of the season? They haven't even played the game yet. And after the game, you know, when we had the results in, that same person came back to me and goes, boy, you sure picked an appropriate outfit for this season. Well, you know, Patty, I, I was going to ask you, first of all, I was going to say, you know, we need some funeral music. And, and second of all, I, w- I was going to ask you if, if you were wearing black and had a veil on today. <laughs> I don't have black on today. I don't have a veil, uh, but, but uh, no, I, I, I probably <laughs> should go get it. But it's so funny because even my husband said to me, "Boy, that was that was great foresight by you." And I said, "You know, I was gonna wear red, and at the last minute, I switched to all black." And oh my goodness! Uh, well, you were you were appropriately attired for what we saw last night, Patty. I mean, let, let's be honest, and, and this is where I'm going with this show today, um, you know, and, and, and I think I'm going to just take you along on the ride with me today, Patty. I think we saw, you know, if you're, if you're familiar with the WWE, there's a character called The Undertaker, and I guess I'm The Undertaker today because I'm here to, to bury the idea that Eli Manning can be this team's franchise quarterback going forward I'm here to bury the idea that Odell Beckham has matured and is a leader you know and and I'm here to bury the idea that this can be a good football team in 2018 so that's where I'm going with today's show all right I'm hopping along for the ride so let's do it all right so let's uh, let's start with a discussion of of Eli Manning and I have to start with this, Patty. I wrote it this morning at Big Blue View, and it's it's a stance I've never taken before. It's a place I hate to be in, to be honest with you. But I said way back before the season started that it didn't matter to me whether Eli Manning was good or bad. It didn't really matter to me how he played in 2018 if the Giants were a bad football team in 2018, that plain and simple, there's it makes no sense for Eli Manning to be their quarterback in 2019. At some point, you have to turn the page, move forward, try to find a different answer, try to change the narrative, try to change the conversation, and, and point this, this organization toward the future. And I think last night we finally arrived at that point where we just have to admit that that's where we are. Yeah. um, Listen, everybody knows I have defended Eli Manning. 
Um, I pointed out last night that he was sacked four times. He was hit 13 times. And people say to me, well, you know, a mobile quarterback might not have been hit or sacked as much. Okay, I'll give you that. And just, you know, look, having gone back and looked at the stats, having gone back and looked at some of the film, there are a few things that kind of bothered me about Eli's uh, performance. And it pains me to say all this, believe me. The first thing that jumps up is his ball security has been atrocious. Absolutely atrocious. I just did numbers for my film study that I'm doing for The Athletic. Okay, now, the last two years when he added that glove, he has fumbled 16 times, losing seven balls. That's just unacceptable. And, you know, that comes from obviously being hit. But here's the big, the big picture thing with Eli Manning. And, again, I recognize, you know, all the good things he's done for the franchise, and it pains me like heck to say this, but the game has gotten faster. It has gotten more physical and more violent since he has come on the scene. And he's basically become a dinosaur. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Now, I don't know if Kyle Lawletta is the answer. I don't know how much better a mobile quarterback would do behind the current offensive line, which last night was just atrocious. But, you know, I agree with you. I think if you're going to tear this roster down, and I think they're going to have to, you have to, you know, unfortunately, you've got to move on from Eli Manning. There's no way you can continue to build around him if you're going to just tear this roster apart and start from scratch. Well, absolutely. I mean, it just... You know, I've been a huge Eli Manning supporter, and I will continue to say that when the circumstances are right, and we've seen it this year, we saw it against the Houston Texans, we saw it Sunday against the Carolina Panthers, you know, in, in the fourth quarter, when the circumstances are right, when he's well protected, he can still make plays. He can still deliver the football. But the Giants have, have reached a point where you finally have to do what this organization should have done probably three years ago. When they moved on from Tom Coughlin, that was the perfect time to tear this thing down, to move on from Jerry Reese as well, perhaps to also move on, you know, from Eli. It was the perfect time to start over. The Giants instead continued, you know, what had been sort of a Band-Aid approach. Well, let's replace the coordinators. Then let's replace the coach. Then a couple years later, let's replace the general manager. And, oh, we'll throw the coach out too because we made a mistake there. And we bring in a new regime. But, we're going to stay with the quarterback because he's got two years left on his contract. We still think he can play. And, you know, I was okay with that path, but it's clear at this point that it's just not going to work. So you just have to move on. You have to turn the page. I hate, I hate having come to that conclusion. I really do. Uh, you know, because I think that, 
that what Eli has done for this franchise has been undervalued and underappreciated, you know, for a long time. I think he's taken too much blame, but I think it's just time to turn the page, you know, and and move this franchise in a different direction. I agree with you, Ed. I mean, look, same results year after year after year. And look, I still say that the bad drafts, the questionable free agent moves, the not putting, you know, the right players in place for the coaching staffs that followed Tom Coughlin all contributed to this. But, you know, we talk about kickers and how a kicker has to make all his kicks, even if the snap and the hold are not perfect. That, I'm afraid, has to be extended to the quarterback. Your protection is not always going to be perfect. And you've got to somehow find a way, whether it's to slide around in the pocket, whether it's to, you know, scramble, whatever the case may be, you have to find a way to make the play. And I'm going to give you a stat from Pro Football Focus that I found very interesting. Last night, Manning had 16 dropbacks in which he had at least 2.5 seconds or more to throw the ball. However, he was sacked three times out of his four sacks and only went three of 13 in pass attempts. Okay, now you can say that in some of those instances, he, you know, they were coverage sacks, but three of 13, I mean, come on, come on. I mean, you got to be better than that if you've got time. And, and and I don't know if it's just he's shell-shocked, if he's, you know, not seeing the whole field because that's being, how he's being coached or what exactly is going on. But that is not a very good statistic. No, it's not, Patty. And and I know this much, you know, and I, and I, I wrote this at Big Blue View this morning as well. Um you know, some of the things that Odell Beckham said in the ESPN interview would have been better left unsaid. But one of the things that, that was really obvious in that interview was, A, that Odell Beckham doesn't have faith in Eli Manning, which means he's probably not the only one in the locker room who doesn't have faith in Eli Manning. And if you don't if your locker room, if your players don't have faith in the quarterback, that's just not going to work. You know, I don't think Eli Manning deserves, you know, that kind of, uh, you know, to, to have that sort of feeling, you know, in the locker room. But it seems to be what it is right now. You know, he's done too much for this franchise to really be, to really be looked at, you know, as quote unquote, the guy who's holding everyone back. But it seems like, you know, there's a segment of, of the locker room that probably feels that way, you know, and, and the other thing that, that Beckham hinted at that probably isn't wrong. And again, shouldn't have been said to a national audience is that it's entirely possible. And I've come to this conclusion that it's just not going to work. It's just not going to get good enough, you know, going down this path the Giants just have to find another direction and I also don't know about you Patty but Pat Shermer won't say it he'll never say it but you certainly begin to see and begin to wonder 
and begin to to kind of be able to tell that there's some frustration from the coach with the quarterback as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, they come in and they have a specific, you know, plan that they want to run. And, you know, you got to remember, Shermer runs a similar system to what McAdoo, you know, he a system that is based in the West Coast principles. And you got to have a mobile quarterback to run that system. You can't, you know, this is a very different system than what what Kevin Gilbride ran, you know, which was more based along the lines of the run and shoot, you know, and, and it's, it goes back to what I said about Fitz and, you know, to his credit, Eli has, has tried, he has done everything asked of him, but, you know, at some point you've got to say, you know what, Uh, it's not working. It's not a fit. And and trust me, I'm going to say this a number of times today it, I hate having to say this. I hate having to feel this way. But, you know, I, I'm not, you know, contrary to what some people might think, I'm not blind. I'm not oblivious to what's going on. I really, really hoped it would work out. I was trying to be optimistic. It hasn't. And and now, you know, we're at, at a crossroads here. Yes, we are, Patty. And, you know, when I talk about Pat Shermer's frustration, as I said, he won't say it, but he used the phrase off schedule last night in praising Carson Wentz. He talked about Wentz's ability to make plays off schedule, you know, when he's rushed, when he's flushed out of the pocket, when the timing isn't right. And it's not the first time that he has mentioned that, you know, in regards to other quarterbacks. And this is the one thing I think that's, that's clear with Eli Manning at this point in his career and and largely has maybe, you know, always been an issue because of his mobility is it is, he doesn't make plays off schedule. If, if the timing is right, if the protection is right, he can still deliver the football, but in the NFL, that just doesn't happen often enough and and that's where Eli is right now. There's too many plays that have to be made by a quarterback that are, you know, what Shermer would call off schedule. And, and right now, you know, those are just plays that, that we see week after week that Eli just doesn't make. Yeah, it's unfortunate, you know, and, and as we record this, Ed, you know, Pat Shermer has just said that, you know, there's not going to be a change at quarterback, which, you know, is to be expected because even though the Giants season is probably over, there's it's they're still mathematically alive. So as long as they have a chance, they're going to stick with him uh, or at least until Kyle Lawletta is a little further along in his development. So for those people who keep asking us, you know, when are we going to see Kyle Lawletta? I don't think anytime soon, certainly not before the bye week. So, um you know, it's it, I put, it, it, they've got to work their way out of this. It's the only thing that, that, you know, the only choice they have right now. Patty, let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsors, and then we will come back and we will uh, we will talk more about Eli, about Kyle Lalletta, about the direction of the franchise, Odell Beckham, Saquon Barkley, and all the rest of the fun with the New York Giants. Hey, Giants Nation, need a little extra swag for game day? Loci has got your back with their brand new game day collection. 
If you haven't heard this name before, well, let me tell you about Lokai. Their high-quality bracelets come with an amazing message and support incredible causes. The Lokai bracelet comes in giant's colors and holds water from Mount Everest, the highest point on Earth, and mud from the Dead Sea, the lowest point on Earth. It's a daily reminder to keep balance in life between the highs and the lows. Since Lokai is friends of the Locked on Giants podcast, they are offering you an exclusive discount of 25% off all game day collection bracelets. Visit lokai.com. That's L-O-K-A-I.com and use the promo code GIANTS25 to take advantage of this amazing deal. Okay, Giants fans, Ed Valentine and Patricia Trina here on Locked On Giants. Patty, we uh, we we spent our first segment talking about Eli Manning, uh, and toward the end of the segment, you mentioned you know Kyle Loletta. So I was kind of going to save this for the third segment of the show, but let's talk about let's talk about Loletta right now. Let's talk about the quarterback position. Um, let's basically talk about the, the direction of, of this franchise. And, and the, for me, the first thing I will say is I have said this before, but I do not believe that this regime will make the same mistake that the Giants made last year. When the Giants get to the point that it's obvious that they'll be eliminated from the playoffs, you know, whether that's after 12 games, whether it's after... 13 games whether it's after however many games it's after I do believe we will see Kyle Loletta play at some point this season do I know does anybody know if he can be you know the the answer after Eli we don't know but I do think that the Giants will get him on the field get him some experience and try to get some information yeah, they, they have to. I mean, you know, especially if they end up with a top 10 draft pick again next year, uh, they're going to have to figure this out. And, uh, you know, obviously it's not a path they wanted to go down, but, um, you know, look, at some point you got to do it. You got to find out what you have. And they, they did themselves a disservice last year. You know, we've talked about this over and over and over you can't not find out what you have in guys and and uh you know hopefully they figure it out and do what's best for the franchise moving forward patty the other thing that i think i want to talk about in this segment is you know plain and simple the direction of this franchise the choice that the giants made in the off season you know, and where I'll start is, you know, this is this is a proud Giants franchise. The the Mara family has owned the Giants since 1925. You know, the the Giants, you know, they're a flagship franchise in this league. They've always looked at themselves, you know, as as a model franchise. But you know, unfortunately. It, the Giants, they've become a bottom-feeding, you know, losing franchise, which with all the drama and, and and everything else that's gone on, unfortunately, this franchise, you know, ha- has become the, the butt of a lot of jokes, and it's, it's sad to see. It really is. I mean, again, though, we we can point to 
the decisions. I mean, I know it's all water under the bridge. It's not going to change anything, but just, just, this is not your grandfather's giants right now. This is a team that has yet to find its identity, you know, that has moved away from, from, you know, the smash mouth football, you know, the hard hitting football, the, the air show that they used to put on. I mean, I don't know who this team is. I look at it and I don't recognize it. And, and the sad thing is, is they do have some talented players on this roster, but, you know, they also have a very weird dynamic. I can't quite put my finger on it, but I just, you know, they say that they're together, that, you know, Landon Collins yesterday was talking about how they came in and they, you know, guys were hugging each other and whatnot. But I, I, I just, something's missing and I can't quite put my finger on it. Well, Patty, you know, there's still, I think, some, you know, there there, there aren't, the roster is, a, a what I want to say is the roster is vastly changed from a year ago. But many of the key figures are still there. You know, this is still a franchise that, that do, this is a group that, by and large, doesn't know how to win. And I I suppose, you know, when you talk about that whole dynamic, I suppose we have to get into the topic that I I really didn't want to get into until the third segment of the show. But we have to talk about Odell Beckham at this point. Because, to me, the dynamic of this locker room, the, the, the culture of this team... Whether it's together or not, um, it all revolves around the quarterback and the wide receiver. And there's a divide between the two. That that much is clear. Uh, you know, and, and Odell's a polarizing figure, and whether there's a divide between Odell and the quarterback or not, there are always going to be people who believe in Odell Beckham. There are going to be people who do not believe in Odell Beckham. And, and some of those people are going to be inside the locker room, and it just makes it, it's its a very difficult dynamic. It is. And, and you know what? You know, the Giants have kind of made their bed with him for the time being, so he's not going anywhere. But I still stand by what I said last night to you. I would be very, very surprised if Odell Beckham finishes out his contract with this team because, you know, you're looking for leaders. And, and you know, for those who didn't hear, and I'm sure everybody's kind of heard this by now, but for those who didn't, there was a report by Fox Sports that Pat Shermer fined Odell for the comments he made in that ESPN interview. And if, you know, the bottom line is, is you – you just don't find a leader. If you consider the guy a leader and he's done right by the team, which a leader is supposed to do, you don't find a guy. And I thought that action, you know, assuming that that report is correct, which, you know, why wouldn't it be, um, you know, that action spoke volumes about how how Odell's leadership, if you will, is currently viewed by the head coach. Absolutely, Patty. I think that over the past few days, I think that that Pat Shermer has made it clear that he's he's been burned by Odell, and I think he's made it clear that in his mind, in his view, 
you know, Odell is what Odell is, and some people will consider him a leader, and in, and in many ways he is a leader just because he's so out front of the franchise. And the Giants have handed him the $95 million contract. They've made that bed. They have to lie in it. Um, you know, he's a great, wonderful player, but I think we've seen recently that there will always be drama with Odell Beckham. There will always be at least somewhat of a a me-first mentality with Odell. He'll always find a way to make the story about him and about something other than football. And and Pat Shermer, you know, in some of the comments he's made about Saquon Barkley, sitting with Barkley on the plane the other day, um, about how a young player can be a leader, about especially when he does everything correctly, that makes it clear that in Pat Shermer's mind, he's moving past Odell Beckham as the leader of this football team, and he's looking at Saquon Barkley as the guy to be the leader of this football team, you know, going forward. And I think that's a good point, Ed. And, and you know, I, I can't remember who made the comment. I think it might have been you. But last night when Saquon Barkley scored his touchdown, what did he do? He scored handed the ball to the official no funky dancing or anything like that no no rock paper scissors or any of that garbage and went back and got ready for the next play you know I mean I get it fans like that excitement they like the you know the color that's added to the game by the celebrations and stuff but for heaven's sakes you're losing you're losing a game you know there's a time and a place for that and, and that's just not it you know, so I was glad to see that from 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 Barkley, and I think that validates what you're saying. Oh, I think so. And we saw the you know we saw the the clips last night also while Odell was you know was was ranting on the sidelines and 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 having a difficult time you know controlling his emotions or as he said trying to find a way to fire himself up you know which which I maybe it's a generational thing but but I don't I don't get that at all. Who was in Odell Beckham's ear trying to get him focused on what was going on? It was Saquon Barkley. And and I found that, you know, it was the rookie trying to refocus the fifth-year player, not the other way around. So I, I found that interesting. And, and I do think, you know, what you're going to see over time, you know, is I, I think Barkley becomes the real leader of this football team. I think so too. And, 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 you know, just further to your point about Odell and stuff, you know, there was a big, uh, dust up, if, not dust up, but, a, a you know, a lot of people wondered why did he go into the locker room with two seconds left and, you know, why was he late coming out? And of course it was later revealed that he needed an IV. This is two weeks, I think two weeks in a row now that he's needed an IV and not for nothing, but last night, as I recall, wasn't that hot out. And Odell is, you know, a, a well-conditioned athlete. So I, I don't know if maybe the energy that he was expended was, you know, led, led him to become dehydrated or whatever. But, I mean, come on. It, it, for two seconds, two seconds would have made a difference. You know, Odell's explanation was, well, halftime is so short anyway. Anyway. So two seconds would have made a difference. You couldn't wait two seconds until till your you know till your team finished up. Let me just say this, Patty. I'm 
I'm not buying the IV thing. I'm just not buying it. They can sell that all they want. I'm just not buying it. You know, to me, I, he bolted the sideline, and I'm I'm not buying this whole. You know, for the second week in a row, I I needed an IV. You know, we'll never know that. We'll never know with a hundred percent certainty whether that was true or not. But but I'm just not buying it. I'm not sure I'm buying it either. Now, to be fair, Olivier Vernon did need a an IV as well because he had some some uh, cramping. That guy was, you know, he was running around out there as was Odell. Um, so I didn't I did not monitor, you know, obviously how much OV was drinking on the sideline, how much was Odell drinking as far as staying hydrated. But I do I do know this: two weeks in a row. The circumstances were just very suspect with with when Odell decided to exit early. And, you know, I I don't know if if that was just a cover for him or if it was legit or what. But, you know, two seconds left and you can't wait two seconds. You know, I can understand if he went in with two minutes left, but two seconds. Come on. Patty, let's take our second break for a word from our sponsors. We'll come back. We will continue our discussion of the uh, of the one in five New York Giants, and uh, let's see where uh, where this team goes from here. We'll, we'll be right back, Giants fans. Locked on NFL is becoming everyone's favorite daily national NFL podcast. Mondays, it's the local experts on the biggest stories of the week. Tuesdays, former NFL quarterback Sage Rosenfels joins Matt Williamson. On Wednesday, it is Mike Renner of Pro Football Focus. Thursdays, the great Mike Sando of ESPN joins the show. And on Fridays, get Matt's picks for the weekend games. Okay, Giants fans, Ed Valentine and Patricia Trainer here for our final segment of today's Locked On Giants as we... Uh, as we look at the the one in five Giants and, and what's left to look at for the rest of this season, Patty. Unfortunately, I think that one of the things we need to talk about is the decisions that the Giants made, you know, t- to get into this season. And I think specifically, I'm talking about Saquon Barkley, the number two pick. Uh, in the draft, you know, back in the spring, um, do you, you know, when, when you when you look back on it now, looking at what we see and what we know now, um, I'll, I'll I'll let you answer this first before I give my opinion. You know, would you have done something different? As wonderful a player as Saquon Barkley is, would you have done something different with that pick? Um, you know, with knowing what we know now about where this franchise is? No, I don't think so. Because when you have an opportunity to draft a once-in-a-generational type player, you do it. And I know, you know, that the, there were people who said, oh, well, why not draft a quarterback? Well, guess what, folks? There are going to be quarterbacks available in next, you know, the 2019 draft. So, you know, don't don't act as though this was your the Giants' only opportunity to get a quarterback of the future. There, It, it wasn't. Um, there were also some people who said, well, why not trade down and get a, a bounty of picks? That argument I could see, but again, 
you know, you have to weigh it in terms of, you know, getting a gener- once in a generational type player versus getting a bounty of picks. Now, if I had known that the Giants were going to spend a third round pick on, on in the supplemental draft, maybe I'd change my mind a little bit. But I, look, you, you look at what Barkley brings to the table and how could she be upset with that pick? You watch Barkley play, Patty, and it's very, very difficult to look at him play and look at the energy that he brings. And as we talked about, look at a at a kid who, who is probably, if he hasn't done so already, he's probably going to wind up as as the leader of this team. You just look at the effort that he plays with, the things that he does, and, and it's hard, you know, for players not to want to follow him. You know, and, and yet. If the the problem that the Giants have, you know, going forward, is the one place that Dave Gettleman said up front that he didn't want this franchise to be is in quarterback hell, and the problem that they have right now is that the decision that they made, you know, to stick with Eli Manning in the short term, which which may have been really the only one that they had that that decision looks like it might lead them into quarterback hell. And, you know, we don't know that because we don't know what Kyle Loletta is going to be. We don't know, you know, what's going to happen in the drafts coming forward, you know, but, but that's the place that, that nobody wants to be. And unfortunately, you know, the, uh, the piece we don't know to any of this is is whether or not the Giants are going to be able to to avoid that long term. No, we don't. And, you know, look, you can't go back and you can't change what's already done. But like I said, it looks like the Giants are on pace to get a top 10 draft pick. There will be quarterbacks available in this draft. Um and I think, you know, if they figure out that Kyle Lawletta is not the answer or they have an opportunity to upgrade, I think they have to pull, you know, make the move, you know. And, and I don't know, like I said, I haven't done any work on any of the quarterbacks in the draft. I keep getting asked about Justin Herbert or Hey Bay. Is, is that, I'm not sure, is it Herbert? Is that how you pronounce the last name? I believe it? it's Herbert, yes. Yeah. So I keep getting asked about him. I, I haven't seen any tape on the kid. I don't know much about him. I will get up to speed before the draft, I promise you. But for right now, I just, you know, it is what it is. And the Giants have to, you know, either work their way out of this or, you know, just keep on, tr- you know, free falling. You know, Patty, it, it is very easy at this point in time. It's very easy to uh, to destroy Dave Gettleman, you know, because the Giants chose a path for the 2018 season. They chose a path, and, and it's not working. It's not working out the way that they intended or hoped that it would work out. That much is clear. No one, they didn't anticipate being one in five. You know, you're looking at, you could be looking at another three or four win season, and and that's not what anybody wanted, not what anybody anticipated, not what they thought they would get with this roster. I'm sure they didn't think they they were going to win a Super Bowl with this roster. 
you know, but they thought it would be better than, than what we're seeing so far. You know, that said, I still think about, and you and I have talked about this a bunch of times. I like a lot of the approach that Dave Gettleman and Pat Shermer have taken. Despite the results so far, I think that given time, given a couple of off-seasons, given a couple more drafts, given time to work through this, you know, we've said many times you can't fix every problem in one off-season, I still have faith that that these two men can get this right and can get the Giants pointed back in a winning direction, put a good product on the field, you know, put a put a product on the field that won't have Giants fans booing and leaving in the third quarter. Oh, I agree. You know, look, we've talked about this many times. Look at how long it took for the Giants roster to deteriorate. It didn't happen in one season. It happened over a course of years. So just as that was the process, it's going to take multiple years for Dave Gettleman and Pat Shermer to fix this. You know, a lot of the roster, yes, they brought in a lot of new faces, but they still had a lot of bloated contracts that were done under the previous regime. They still have some draft picks that really aren't playing, you know, they're they're not working out, I guess, the way they anticipated from the previous regime. You know, they've got a lot more work to do on this roster. That much is clear. Unfortunately, the one thing that fans... And to be honest with you, many members of the of the media who who love the uh, the firestorm, you know, per se, uh, one thing that that those folks don't tend to have is patience. And what we see here is that this is going to require some patience as we look at the Giants. There may be they may play better the second half of this season. You know, up until last night. I thought, and I know you thought, that that we had seen some signs of improvement, some signs of progress, some signs that the Giants were getting better. Maybe what we saw last night, you know, was a team that still has a long way to go get a reality check from a team that just won the Super Bowl in terms of in just how far away they actually are, you know, from being really good, from being a competitive team. But, you know, and even if the Giants get a new quarterback, you get a young quarterback, you look at what the Jets are going through with Sam Darnold, you look at, you know, look at what the Buffalo Bills are going through with Josh Allen, even the even the Browns with Baker Mayfield, you know, those guys might be playing well, but it's a work in progress. Even you get a new quarterback, if it's, especially if it's a young quarterback, it's going to take time to put this thing back together. And fans are going to have to just deal with the with the reality that it's not going to happen overnight. Yeah, I mean, you know that, and I know that. Unfortunately, the, the paying customers they want it, and they want it now. And I I understand. You know, they're shelling out hard earned hard earned money. You know, to to pay for tickets, parking, you know, concessions, souvenirs, what have you. They want something to be proud of. You know, they want to know that their money is going towards, you know, something that that they can get behind. And right now, 
unfortunately, this is a giant team that just, to me, does not have an identity and is stuck somewhere. You know, it's almost like a purgatory in that they're 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 slowly coming out of it, believe it or not. But they're they're still they're just not there yet. No, they're not, and they're stuck. You know, we we kind of knew. You know, and it circles back to to Eli. It circles back to the fact that that you have, you know, an aging quarterback who is declining in a lot of ways, who can still do some things, but you have an aging quarterback with a roster that's being reshaped, rebuilt. You know, with a team that's being redeveloped, and that that was always you know a high wire act that was always a tricky proposition you know to to make those two things work and come together you know in, in a winning format and and it's it it just doesn't look like it's going to work so you know the giants are going to have to go back to the drawing board yes they are you know and it's going to be a, a wild ride that's for sure this this is coming off season, you know, it's still a couple months away, but it's going to be a very, very interesting one. And Giants fans, Patty and I will uh, will always be around to tell you about it. Make sure you check Patty's work at Patricia underscore Trina on Twitter. Uh, check out my work at Big Blue View. And with that said, uh, we will talk to you soon. Bye bye now.